church, we have sick heartbeats. We want to see people live creative. We want to see them live generous. We want to see people live authentic. We want to see them live free. We want to see them live brave. Did I miss one? I've got five. Oh no. Brave, free, authentic, generous. Connected. I should know that one. We go on about that a lot. Yeah, so those are our six heartbeats. And those are the things that we really value and that we want to empower and equip people to see um, live in their life. We want to see them outwork those in their life. So today I'm going to be talking about um, living creative. And um, creativity is one of those things that can be really polarizing for people. You know, um, I often get the response, oh, I'm not really, I'm not creative, I'm not arty. No, but creativity isn't actually um, limited to the arts. It's way more than that. Like, our God is a creative God. He's not an arty God. No, he's so creative in so many ways, not just in artistic ways. Now, have you ever watched a small child um, come up with ways to climb onto shelves that they shouldn't be able to reach or climb onto? Or climb into spaces that there's nowhere that they should be able to fit in? No, they manage to creatively do what should actually be impossible. I remember watching, um, and sometimes there's like completely hilarious results. Um, I remember watching the kids when their little Charlie was quite determined. She's quite stubborn. I don't know where she gets that from. And she would just try to climb into places that she shouldn't go. And I remember just watching her. She'd pull a table over, and that wouldn't be high enough. So then she'd pull a chair over, and that wouldn't be high enough. And then she'd look between the table and the chair, and the table and the chair. And then she'd go, light bulb moment. And you see the table go on the chair. No, that's not going to work. And then you see the chair go on the table. And I'm going, oh, this is going to go badly. And I see my child climb onto the table and then climb onto the chair. And that's the time I'd intervene because you know it's going to go badly. But she'd come up with all these creative ways to try and get to where she shouldn't, she shouldn't go. Um, and it was just like this just amazing thing just to watch the pro- like her mind ticking over. Well, I could do this and I could do that or I could not do this or I could, you know, and just try things and that as an adult we just wouldn't... We just go, oh no, we're not going to do that. Um, or if you ever take a couple of minutes to actually talk to kids about what they want to be when they grow up. Have you ever had a, that conversation with little ones? Um, kids are going to come up with the most amazing answers. You know, as adults, our logical grown-up brain will tell us that I can't be a crocodile when I grow up. But to a three-year-old, it's entirely possible. Okay, like They fully believe that I can be a crocodile awesome. You know, their imagination isn't limited by words and logic and, um, and, you know, the whole concept of that's not possible. They allow their imagination to create possibilities. Now, each and every one of us are born creative. God actually created us that way. Um, but as life often passes, we allow ourselves to be boxed in by um, definitions of who we think we are that limit that creativity and that positivity that comes with it. Now, a creative life is more than just an on-point Instagram feed, okay? You know, filled with your stunning hipster images of your deconstructed coffee and all that kind of stuff. That's what the world defines as creative. And actually, once everyone's all doing it, it's not really that original, it's not really that creative. And if you've tried a turmeric latte, it's not that creative. It tastes like powder. It's not good. It's not coffee. So, like, it's not... Yeah, and then now everyone's doing it, Okay? There's so much more to creativity than what the world defines as being creative. Now, it's finding what you love and doing it well. Using your gifts and talents to bring 
to, of what brings you joy to express that uniqueness of God. Okay, if you're a chef or a bit of a foodie, you know, that could look like creating a new dish, um, combining unexpected textures and flavours to create something amazing. If you're a teacher, it could be um, coming up with exciting ways to make maths interesting and make sense to school kids. I tell you, like, I value being a teacher like that because numbers are not my thing. You know, it could be developing a marketing strategy for your business that changes the way that you operate, or coming up with different ways to keep bored toddlers entertained on wet, rainy days when they've been cooped up inside for weeks. You know, creativity and its expression is not limited to the arts. Okay. Our God is a creative God, and we're created in His image. Where Jesus is one to um, Genesis one um, verses one to three says, first this. God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded over like a bird above the watery, watery abyss. God spoke light, and light appeared. God saw that light was good, and separated light from dark. God named light day. He named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning day one. God spoke light and light appeared. God spoke into nothing and he created out of nothing. Dark abyss. Nothing. And then suddenly there was light. In the beginning God created absolutely everything. All that we can see, all that we can't see is formed by him. He took what was formless and he moulded it and shaped it into something that was beautiful and full of life. And he did that just with his words. No hocus pocus, no Harry Potter, no following the family recipe, um, building or digging, no trial and error, but just with his words. That same spirit that created light in the darkness, that spoke life into dirt-shaped moulds, that created us, lives in you and I. As new creations in Christ, we have the same spirit. That same spirit... Yep, the one that's got that creative power that created the universe lives in you and me. That means that when we speak, our words have creative power. We create either life or death in a situation. We create with our words, our environment, our feelings, our experiences. I'm a size eight. I'm a size eight. I'm going for the pain canteen philosophy. Some stage it will happen. If I just create that with my words, it's going to happen. But when we speak into a situation, when we, we speak things, declare things, our words have, have power. Because the same spirit that lives in us, that created the universe, when we speak, he speaks. And so we have to be really careful with our words, church. We can sit there and say, I'm all down, or life is life sucks, or if this is hard, or that's hard, or, or whatever. But that will be what we experience. You know, the, the New Ages will talk all about, like, being positive and building it in your mind and, you know, positivity and all that. Well, that's all true, but they, they took it from the church. And people often go, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to, I should be, like, imagining things and dreaming like that because, or, you know, speaking up positive vibes. That's all New Age. Well, no, the church had it first. So... I'm going to encourage you, don't be afraid to, your words will create your world. 
So the whole thing about prophecy is to speak in faith what has not yet what has not yet happened. Now with prophecy, it takes action. You can receive a prophetic word, you can speak a prophetic word, but that doesn't mean it, that's God's intention, that's what God wants to happen. But you need to then position yourself to step into that word, to take hold of it. So if you, uh, if you receive a word that you're going to be um, a missionary to Japan, and you really feel that that's right, that you're going to go to Japan and, and, um, and, and share the gospel, nobody can not speak Japanese. Now what is the first step that you need to take? Who are you going to reach in Japan if you can't speak their language? You know, what are the steps that you need to take? I know the prophetic words that God has given me, um, and, and if I sit around and wait, I'll never step into them. But if I just take the first step, and whatever that may be, and you might think it's like, oh, that's so far. If you put the first step towards that, then you're making a declaration with your actions. And you're going, you know what, God, I'm partnering with this word, and we're going to go with it. You know, speak. Speak into your situation. Speak into with your words. Because the same spirit that created the universe lives within you. Okay, so my background's in photography. Um, it's all I ever wanted to do when I was younger. I wanted to be a war photographer, because I'm a little bit crazy. But I know, but a large part of it is I just wanted to use photography just to shine God's light. So I trained back in the dark ages, where you would like spend a week in a dark room creating one single image. So you'd develop the film, and then you'd like make a wee sheet of all the negatives. You'd choose an image that you're willing to print, and then you'd literally spend a week in the dark room all day creating an image. Which is kind of hard to um, even comprehend now in that, and you know, like an instant society of Photoshop, and I'll take a digital photo, and yep, it's good to go, bang it up on Facebook, Instagram, and I'll, you know, I'm a photographer. But I used to spend ages like planning a shoot, so they'd be like, we plan about what kind of day we're going to do, what kind of models we're going to use, what kind of light we're looking for, what kind of props, was I going to be shooting it in black and white, how was I going to, you know, I'd plan all of that. And then after I printed it, after I developed the film, I would then plan the shot, the image, like this part needs to be darker and this part needs to be lighter and this part needs to be crisper and all made it tone it with ink to be a different colour. And so there's a whole process of like planning what this finished image would look like. What's a bit like that? You know, um, when I create, it's not just a matter of picking up the camera, point and shoot, and then tweaking Photoshop. Many ideas are born with a pen and paper first. Notes, sketches, ideas, plans, random things that I've seen that have sparked the idea. Okay? When God created each of us, I don't think he just said, let there be Susie. Let there be Jonathan. And then there was Susie, and then there was Jonathan. I don't, I don't think that's how he did it. Now, I think... Um, that he, I, I believe that he thought about each and every single one of us. That he planned us. What we would be like, our personalities, our quirks, our passions, who our family would be, when and where we would be born. You know, each of those things were lovingly thought about. Now I know when I was pregnant with each of my miracle babies, even before I held them in my arms, I loved them. I knew them, my thoughts were towards them, I dreamt about what they would be like. 
who they would grow into, what would they look like, would they be cheeky like their dad, like who had God created them to be. I believe that God was like that with each of us. But instead of wondering, he was meticulously piecing the answers together as he designed us. Because he designed us. If you look at like the physiology and anatomy of the human body, like how and, and just like everything in general, how things come together, how cells and atoms and, and all of that stuff, I don't know science things, but how they all fit together, it's incredible. And like the way that they are a purpose and and the way that they function and the way that they adapt, like it's by design. There's no just like big bang and like a million years ago you're a piece of mud that suddenly here we are. Like it's not how it happened. God designed us. Like you know, there was an intention. He intended you. He thought about you. He planned you. So you may have been told by your family or by whoever that you're a mistake that you weren't, you were unplanned. You may have been unplanned in your parents' mind, but you were not unplanned in God's mind. Because he, it says in the word that he knew you before he even formed you in his mother's womb. Now I remember going to a women's conference years ago, and this is a lady, this little um, Italian pocket rocket um, named Vicky Durazio, and she said, she, um, she's like, God, you formed me in my mother's womb. You knew me before I was formed there. What was I like? What was I like? Before I was formed in my mother's womb, what was I like? Because you created me, you formed me, you thought about me before you before you positioned me to be born. And I remember hearing that, and I just had Tully. Tully was seven years old, and I was thinking, oh, well, I remember hearing that. I was like, oh, what was I like? Before, what was I like before fear came into my life? What was it like before I knew what to doubt? What was it like before I knew, like, before hurt and pain set in? Who was it that you created me to be? Because you did not create me to doubt. You did not create me to fear. You did not create me to be, to, to shrink back. What was I like? And for each and every one of us, I'm going to tell you, that was life-changing for me. What was I like? What was I, what were you like before God formed, when God formed you? He knew you before you came into this world. Avoid your family situation to find you. What were you like? And I want to encourage you to go back to God and ask Him that answer. Because I did that. I went to God and I said, God, show me. What was I like? And He took me to a place and He showed me. He said, This is, this is who I created you to be. This is, this is how I created you. This is who you are. Not your circumstances, not your fear, not your doubt. This is who you are. So ever since then, I've had a greater understanding of what God has created me to And I've been taking steps to go back to that. To step out of the fear, to step out of the doubt, to step out of like what I think defines me and step into who it is that God defines me. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of power in that. And God created you. So you can sit there and say, I'm not, I'm not creative. Yes, you are. You're a child of God. You are creative. You may not be creative in a way that the world defines creativity, but you are creative. You know, each of us have ideas and dreams and passions that when God breathes on them, they become extraordinary. You know, often we can look at our dreams and go, that's far too big for me. 
No, I can't. 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 There's better who, there are people who are far better than me. But oh, that person preaches better than me. But that person bakes better than me. I'm like, I'm not called to be a baker. Like, praise God for people who are, because that is not my gifting. Have you ever seen that um, like program on Netflix, Nailed It? Where it's like baking disasters? That's me. Okay? So that's not my form of creativity, and that's okay. But you know, God created each of us to be creative in our own ways. Now, by speaking in our doubts and fears, we actually squash that creativity that God has given us. We squash those dreams and those plans that He has for us before they even have a chance. God didn't give you those dreams in order for you to discount them. If they are bigger than you and they seemingly completely out of reach and good, that's how you know it's God. Because if your dream, you've got, God, this is, this is my dream for you, and that I fear you calling me to just do this, and I can do that all on my own. It's not God. Dream bigger. Because what God has for you, He needs you to seek out, and He needs you to be able to do it with Him, to not be able to do it without Him. Because if you can do it in your own strength, you're not dreaming big enough. You need to be able to have to rely on God more than yourself in order to make it happen. Now, God-given creativity is in each of us. It's a matter of perspective. Now, there's that saying that what you grow, like what you focus on grows bigger in your life. Now, if you focus on for health, oh, my body's packing it in, then that's going to be your experience. Now, I, I have testimony to this because I'm a shocker to go, oh, my gosh, my body is packing it in. My sense of humor is kind of self-effacing and sarcastic and... And I have to learn that when I speak that, then that's what I will experience. If I speak out, even joking, oh my God, he's taking it in. Oh, so old. So tired all the time. That's what I'm going to experience. No matter how much coffee, no matter how much tea, no matter how much chocolate I have, that will always be my experience because that is what I'm declaring in my, world, in my life. Does that make sense? So your words have power, you know. I have to, you have to constantly be thinking, what are you creating with your words? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To live creative is to speak life into those dreams and ideas that God has given us. Speak into what is yet to be. Now we, this is church, right? Three years ago, when God, three and a half years ago, when God spoke to us and said, you're going to get a plumber, you're going to plumb church. And I was like, nah. Um, this is not what I pictured. When we started, we were reading in a small classroom. And small classroom with fits like 25 people was comfortable in the classroom. 30 was like, oh, we're going to feel like starting soon. But we knew that that's, that wasn't the, that's not the dream that God's given us to be that small in that place. That was the beginning, that's the seed. And then we came in here and we blocked off the back section, chairs, because I don't want to move them out the back, but also the idea that we could fill this. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. But now we, we're starting, we can't say today, but we're starting to move up the back of the back of the church. But I know that this is not the end of what church looks like. I know that there is more because of what God has shown us. And so we're constantly moving towards that. We're not starting off the way that we see that church is going to look, but you start with the seed and you water it and you grow it and you look after it and you tend to it. 
and then you watch and it takes the next step and it grows a few more leaves and then you watch as like a bug starts to happen and it starts to grow. Because this is not like how church is always going to be. Because what God has shown us is bigger. What God has shown us is impacting a town which is growing rapidly. Is, is, um, what God has shown us is impacting a region, is impacting a generation of young and old people, is impacting a nation. So what we see here is seed. But if I only go, well, this is what church looks like, and this is how it's always going to be, and I shrink back and I think small, then that's what we're always going to experience. But if we're always going, God, what are you doing? God, how do you see it? God, what do you want? And we declare that and we speak into that, then that's what we're going to experience. It may not be what we see right now, but that's that. Does that make sense? Like, that's what we're going, that's what we're going to see. Because we don't want to be the church that Ray and Shannon built. Okay, that's not our heart, that's not our intention ever. We want to be the church that God built and that God is building and continuing to build because that is the vision and the, and the dream that he has given us. And so we're always going to speak creatively into that. Yeah, one of my favorite passages is Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14 in the, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And I'm going to encourage the church, if you can get hold of this, if you can get hold of what this passage means, it will change everything for you. Everything. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord, out of the, out by the spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded. So basically that means I spoke out as I was commanded. What God, God told me to speak, I spoke out. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to it that this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into this slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. We can look at a situation and see that there is no hope. A pile of bones. But God, he sees past the bones. He sees past the dead. He sees past the death. He sees what is yet to be. We see bones. He sees an army. We can look at a situation and go, that's all it is. It's all done. Done and dusted. The decision's made. This is the situation. But God, that's not what he sees. He sees the miracle of a child that you were told would never be born. 
He sees the cancer patient being healthy. He sees broken relationships restored. He sees reconciliation. He sees that difficult person softening. He sees a nation one and his name lifted up. He sees life. He sees hope. He sees victory. You see bones, but he sees army. Um, Mark uh, 12, 13, 30, 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and with all your strength. Now, the original, in the Greek, the original word for mind is dinara, dinoia, sorry, which means imagination. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and imagination, and all your strength. Now, we often think of it that imagination as something that's not for God. You build things in your mind and think about things in your mind and, and grow them there. But you know what? Worship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and imagination. Love, the God, love God in your imagination. What does it look like in your life to love Him in your imagination? To dream about Him, to think about Him, to wonder about Him. You know, you can create life in your situation by prophesying the promises that God has given you. Now, the same creative power that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. You can create life with your words, with your actions. So I want to encourage you, you may be thought of yourself as being creative, but you were created by the almighty creator. You were created to be brilliant, to shine God's light and to show his extraordinary love to those around us. You were created to live outside of the box and to step into all the dreams and, and purposes that God has given you. Because you were created on purpose for a purpose. God didn't just like, oh, flip, I let that one slip through. That's not how it works. He thought about you. He planned you on purpose. You were created with talents and skills and passions to uniquely express the love of God and to express the hope that is found in Him. You were created to be creative. Whatever that may look like. I just want to encourage you with one last thing. This is a credible quote. It's often attributed to um, Nelson Mandela, I think, but it's actually written by a lady, Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking back so that other people won't feel insecure about around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not in just some of us. It's in everyone. So as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You are created to shine. You are created to stand out, to celebrate God in your own unique way. I want to encourage you, church, as you do that, as you take hold of that, as you step into it as who it is that God has created you to be, and to use your gifts and talents, however that may be, whether that be in business, whether that may be at home, in education, at school, and work, or in the arts, or whatever pillar of society that may be. You were created to shine. 
You have created God, placed you in that place because you are uniquely purposed to shine his light in that situation. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful for your measure. What would it look like for you to step into all of this that God has for you? To take hold of those gifts and talents that he's given you and to use them to the best of your ability without fear, without doubt, without shrinking back. What would that look like? What would that look like? Because who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You are created on purpose. You're unique. He sees you. Not your situation, not your mess. He sees you. It says in Genesis, you are the God who sees me. He sees you. He sees past the situation. He sees past beyond where things are now. He sees the child that he created. The person that you were when you were... For the person that he knew and created before you were even formed in your mother's womb. That's who he sees when he looks at you. That's who he sees. Not anything else. So I want to encourage your church. Don't be afraid to shine. Don't be afraid to step into who it is that God has created you to be. Don't be afraid to use your gifts and talents to the best of your ability for him. Because they all serve a purpose. And God has created you on purpose for a purpose. Amen.